Good morning. Go ahead and stand and we will worship. So God, I just ask that you would just fall right on this place. Holy Spirit, just fall. I pray that you'll move in some spaces that we need to hear your voice and see your face, God. In Jesus' name.
I just want you guys to hang in here and just Jesus is doing stuff in all of our lives no matter what is happening and he's always drawing us to him and in this series we're going to be talking about Jesus as the word today and 
just the name of Jesus does so much in our lives. And so God, right now I just ask that you would reveal new things to your people, that you would open our eyes and ears to hear your voice, to hear your voice of truth in our lives, of where we just need to speak your name. Whether it's in joy or if it's in need, God, just move. And I ask that you just reveal these deeper things to each one of us, God. We need you. We need Jesus. So let's go back to that bridge and sing this and proclaim it. tells us, it tells every one of us who's a believer in Christ, that all we need to do is name the name of Jesus, and God brings his power to us. Amen? So today, I just want to encourage you as we enter into a time of prayer, some of you may feel powerless today. Some of you may be facing things, or you're distracted, or you're just in a place of despair, and, and we want to take a minute and just pray with you and for you. So I just want to encourage you, if you're one of those people who are just sensing a heaviness today, just take a seat. We'll have a few folks who will come around you and pray with you and over you. You know, I say this each week every time I host too. Maybe some of you are celebrating something God's done in your life. Can we sit and do that and pray and celebrate what God's doing and the power that he's bringing into our lives? And maybe that's you today as we pray. God, we come before you. This morning, we are so thankful for the gift of Jesus Christ. Just the very mention of the name of Jesus brings power to our lives. And Lord, there are some of us here today who, who are just missing that. And so God, I pray for just a sense of infusion of your power, of your presence, of God, your anointing upon those who are struggling today. Lord, would you just bring that strength to them as only you can bring. God, whatever we're facing today, we know that through the power of Jesus and through the power of Jesus' name, prayer can be answered. And so, God, we pray for answered prayer today. 
And then, Lord, as we pray each week, we pray for First Presbyterian and Grand Haven, for local churches. God, we are not the only expression of faith. And so, God, we pray just a powerful anointing of your spirit on that church. And then, Lord, we also pray for the Steinharts as they are ministering. God, as they are caring so well for others. And God, we continue to pray for answered prayer for them. We know they've got some visa issues and just some logistics that are coming up, Lord. We just need you to intervene in the midst of. And then finally, God, today we pray and we give you thanks for this new series, as Heather mentioned. We get to focus, as we do every Sunday, but even more intentionally in this series, around Jesus. And God, we're thankful for that. And so that I pray that we wouldn't just learn, but that we grow and we'd see you at work in deeper ways. And God, for all of that, we'll give thanks. And everyone said, amen and amen. Well, again, if you're here in Spring Lake, you may go ahead and take a seat. Uh, I wanna welcome those of you who might be watching us online. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're a guest here today, just a warm welcome to you. So thankful you chose a great day to come and be a part of uh, All Shores. A couple of things I just wanna let you know about. We just find it important for us to help you get connected. And so the way that we do that is for you to fill out that connection card and, that you'll find in the QR code in the back seat of the seat in front of you. What you're gonna do is scan that with your camera. It will take you right to the connection card. If you would fill that out, just let us know that you're visiting. We'd love to know that you're here. Maybe put a name to a face. You can also on your way out today, stop by our connection point. We have a gift we'd love to put in your hands. But I also wanna let you know about an event for those of you who are either guests today or you've been coming recently or last few weeks. Maybe you came for Easter last week. Maybe you've been coming for the last couple of months, but you're newer to All Shores. We have our newcomer welcome event that's happening right after this service. We're only gonna take about 30 minutes of your time. You're gonna go right through this door uh, to my right, your left, into West 200. We're gonna share, like I said, for about 30 minutes about who we are as a church, a little bit about our vision. You'll get a chance to meet some of our staff, get answers to questions you might have. Quick, quick time, uh, and again, we'll let you go after that. But you are all invited if you're looking at saying, man, I'd love to take another step and do a deeper connection at All Shores. Come and join us after the service. I'll be over here, and I'll give you direction as far as where to go. Well, finally today, we wanna focus again again on the worshiping God through our tithes and offerings. This is the time in the service when we remind you of that. Again, thanks so much for being faithful in this area. You can give online. The links are behind me on the screen. Again, if you're watching us online, you can do that through those links. If you are prepared to give uh, here, we do have offering boxes uh, on the next to the doors as you exit today. You can put your offering in there and we'll just be grateful for that. Well, the journey is something we talk a lot about, so I wanna encourage you to hear a little bit more about it. It happens quite often, another great place of getting connected. So take a look at the screens, hear a little bit more about the journey. Hey church, this weekend is step three of the journey. If you're new to our church, the journey is the best next step out of one of our services to getting plugged in, getting to know more about All Shores, and ultimately finding your spot somewhere in our church. Step three happens uniquely the third Sunday of every month here at our Spring Lake campus, and it's all about helping you abide in or connect with, spend meaningful time with God. It happens during our 11 o'clock service, so if you have little kids, you can check them into our kids' ministry just like you would for service. And it happens in our upstairs conference room, which is behind our auditorium. If you don't know where to go, don't worry. Just ask our team. We would love to help you find your way there.
Well, I want to welcome those joining us online, those of you here in our Spring Lake campus. We're so glad you're here this first Sunday out of Easter. We're starting a new series we've titled, Who is Jesus? We're going to be looking into Scripture and what the early church believed about him, what we can know about him. I want to invite you to pray before we open the Scriptures. And to be really clear, it's not about information or even persuasion. It's about revelation. And I'll tell you, it's daunting is when you're trying to give explanation to who Jesus is, you don't have anything else to draw from. It's not like you go, well, it's over here. So I'm really praying that God would speak to you. And I want you to pray in the quiet. Whether you're here with doubt, whether you're here with confusion, with question, whether you're here as a follower, I just want to say this. Even when we go through passages that can be familiar, Jesus continues to reveal a depth of who he is. So can you just pray that God would deepen, make aware your understanding. You pray in the quiet, and then I'll pray for us together. Lord, I ask you to speak today. I pray by the power of your spirit, you would reveal Jesus. Lord, I pray that anything I have to say that's not of you or even confusing would just fall to the ground and be forgotten. But I do pray that whatever is from you, Lord, you would breathe life into us. You would make us aware. You would increase our understanding of Jesus and what it means to be his and what it means to live in his family. Lord, I join with the psalmist asking the words I speak and the way we respond and our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, as I said, we're starting a new series that we've titled uh, today, Who is Jesus? And I do want to say this even before we get into the passage that those of you who've been around the church for a while, and even if you've been around a little while, sometimes you'll come across a passage and go, I've heard this before, I know this passage. And we treat it linear as if to say, I already know what this means, instead of going, listen, I've been a Christian for years and I continue to find new understanding. And I, I think God will never exhaust the revelation of himself. I think that's one of the joys of discovering him. So would you just be open? Saying, God, teach me whatever you want to. Even if it seems basic, maybe God will show you something new. Well, to get us started, uh, we are in kind of the beginning of the series. And I want you to just consider with me famous first lines of, it could be books or movies. Sometimes they're obvious. I, I was looking at different ones, and one of them, the first line was, I'm an invisible man. You're like, I wonder what that's from, uh, the invisible man. Kind of obvious, right? And think of it anywhere, and sometimes they're more familiar than others. So this is a famous first line. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It goes on to speak of, it was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness, it was the age of hope and the age of despair. Anybody know what that's from? Tale of Two Cities, everybody else is going, let's see, I didn't read that book when I was supposed to. What did the cliff notes say? I know how that goes. Here's one that's from a different genre, a different idea. They keep, the key to faking out parents is clammy hands. Anybody know what that's from? Yes, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. This is better than the last service. I had a few heathens over here. The rest of them were like, oh, I'm so spiritual. I never saw that movie. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You got to love it, don't you? The key to faking out parents is clammy hands. He goes on to give much more specific uh, explanation, like the, the, the beauty is in the details is what he goes on to say. And I think it's a great line. This one is one most of us will know from a long time ago, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars, that's right. I was going to say Spaceballs just to mess with you because Mel Blanc did one, but it wasn't. 
This is one that you may not know. In the beginning, the universe was created. It actually sounds almost biblical. This has, been, this has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. Doesn't it make you just want to read like, wow, that is a really skeptical view of life, isn't it? It's a, it's a book called The Restaurant. I just like the idea that the beginning of it was, was interesting. And, and the reason I tell you that is as we get into the series, we're starting and we're going to look at, at different facets. Today, we're going to look into one of Jesus' followers, John, and how he explains who Jesus is. The rest of them, we're going to look through the early church. And so the reason I want to kind of preface it with the, how it starts is let me take you back first to where the Bible begins. And even if you've not been around the church much, many people know the Bible starts with, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And it goes on to say that the earth was void, void and formless and the spirit hovered over. It's this beautiful picture that God himself created, that God is a creator. We understand God that way to be creator. Now, the reason I tell you that, the reason we start there is because John, in his account, is going to go all the way back to the beginning of time, and that's where he's trying to help us form it. So I didn't want you to miss. That's where we're starting, is John's going to make this segue. Now, it's unique to tell you this way. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give different accounts. Matthew and Luke both tell of Jesus' birth and start there. Mark just goes right into his ministry. John gives a different slant of it. We kind of like to think of it as looking at a diamond from different angles. And this is how John is helping us to understand who Jesus is. So we start in John chapter 1 at the beginning of his account. And it's somewhat like a hymn explaining Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Now... Oftentimes, we end up just going there right away. There was significance to this word, word, which is logos. It's the written word. In the Greek culture, it had become synonymous with wisdom, with divine wisdom, with understanding. There's kind of this overarching thing. And John is both pulling that out but also giving picture to the beginning of time. But I didn't tell you in the creation narrative is it says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. It speaks of the spirit hovering over the chaos, basically. And God's very breath, his spirit brings form and life to the chaos. But then everything that follows is it says, God said, and then something happens. God spoke, and then something happens. God said, and the heavens and the earth. God said, and the sun and the moon. God said, and the land and the sea. God said, and basically the image in the original creation story is God speaks and creative things happen. Tell me that's not just awesome poetically, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't say how, it doesn't say what, it's just telling us the very fabric of it that God's very speaking into is creative and it's how he moves. And so John is doing one thing for us, he's telling us that's who Jesus is, and he's making it very clear. Jesus was there at creation, Jesus is the word of God, Jesus was with God and is God, and through him all things are made. In other words, Jesus wasn't created by the Father, Jesus is one with the Father, has always been, always will be. Now that matters for lots of reasons, but let me just tell you this, and we're going to encounter this throughout the series. Through all of history, there have been what we call heresies about Jesus. The church has had things it's promoted or believed that aren't true. And there's different heresies, but the most common ones relate to Jesus. And what happens is people are trying to rationalize and explain things we can't. So one of the explanations was, uh, Jesus came after the Father. 
when he's born, so he had to come after the Father. Another one is Jesus is beneath the Father. He doesn't stand in unity. He stands beneath, kind of subservient. And we take that sometimes because Jesus said, I do what the Father says, but we make that a less of being, which is not true, or less of divinity. And then we even have teachings where people said there's an Old Testament God and there's a New Testament God, which, by the way, is a very common one. In fact, I still talk about, I hate the Old Testament. So edgy and angry and awful things happen. And Jesus is so loving and beautiful and peaceful in the New Testament. I love New Testament Jesus. I hate God, the old one. And what this is telling you, you don't know God. <laughs> it's the same one. Jesus was there from the beginning and before time. He's always been and always will be. Now, that matters to us. I just want you to understand that matters. And I love it when people say that makes no sense to me. And I say, I agree. And you know what? I'm okay with not understanding everything completely. In case you don't know, this is very Western. And in our Western minds, we think everything is linear and we can figure it all out. In other words, we think we're awesome. Did you know that we think we're awesome? Did you know if you do surveys around the world, there is one area that people tend to think they're the most successful and better than everyone else. And guess where it is? It's here. You're welcome. I usually meet people like, you're welcome. I'm pretty special. And they go, you're welcome. That's not how I would define that. I, I want you to just get a picture that being humble in this is okay. And to a biblical mind and to an Eastern mind and to the mind of all of history, having things in tension that we can't understand is okay. It doesn't mean they're not true. It just means we can't fully grasp it. By the way, that's part of the reason the Bible uses poetry like this. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And everything is made through him. And in him all things hold together. You, you get the power and the glory and majesty of that, right? That's the picture. Jesus is fully God, fully in oneness in this trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, I don't care if it doesn't make sense. It's true and it's awesome. And I'm good with that. And it's good when you see it unfold. But I don't want to miss. This is a part of understanding who Jesus is. And so when people say things, well, Jesus, you know, he, he had great teachings. That's what I follow. And that's what Jesus is like. And other people have done this to him. No, Jesus said things like, before Abraham was, I am. That's a person who lived centuries before. You know that doesn't make sense, right? Jesus, I and the Father are one. I'm one with God. That doesn't make sense unless it's true. I, I want to be clear. You don't have to like it. You can even question it. But you cannot say Jesus didn't say or didn't mean that. And John's just reporting that to us. He's giving us a picture of the majesty. And I love that he's calling him the word in this. I love for the fact that it gives us beautiful creativity to Jesus is the very essence of what God speaks into existence. And by the way, we call Jesus the living word. And I love this. Ralph Bainham, our emeritus pastor, he probably, if you ever sit with Ralph for any time, he'll constantly be like, hey, Ralph, how's it? And if you ever ask him how he's doing, he's always grateful. I'm like, I never get to hear anything that's not going well because he's always grateful. I'm like, it's fine. I got aches and pains. Can I tell you about mine? But Ralph also will say, I just want to know Jesus more. And one of his common statements is the written word always reveals the living word. In other words, the reason we engage in scripture is to know Jesus, not to know about him, not to argue principles, but historically, and as we read it, God speaks into us through this written word of who the living word is, and that's where John starts. Tell me that's not awesome. So that's where we begin. We begin with John's statement, Jesus fully God. He's always been there. He will always be there. And he's at one with the Father, fully present, fully divine. Now, then John goes on to give a picture of what Jesus came to do. In him was life. 
And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now, John uses the image of light and dark commonly, and you'll find this in the early church a lot. Paul will say to us, to the early Christians, you were once children of darkness, and now you're children of the light. In other words, light came into darkness. And it's not complex. It's just the idea that it's described as darkness, meaning the world we live in is a dark, broken, hard, oppressive, angry, combative place. Now, does anybody want to argue that with me today? You don't get to anyway, because I'm the one with a mic, but I decided to ask it rhetorically. I mean, I think we can agree. And sometimes we'll act like, it's, oh, it's so much darker than it used to be. No, it's not. <laughs> the world's been dark. Every, every generation has things that are dark and we struggle with. Let's just be true to that. Now, that doesn't mean things don't change and life isn't hard. But John's metaphor is that the world is a dark place. It is a broken place. The very creation that everything Jesus spoke into being and said it was good at the fall of Adam and Eve became tainted and broken and dark. Did you know the curse of the ground is thorns? Next time you see a rose bush, just go, thanks a lot, Adam. That's what I do. Jesus wore a crown of thorns, by the way. It's crazy that he took on the very curse of the ground because what he was coming to do was bring light into darkness, to bring restoration into hopelessness, to take the very creation and all of us within it that are broken and in decay and bring light back to restore and redeem and change who and where we are. You get the picture? That's what John's giving us, and I love how he's doing it. And guess what? Darkness can't overcome it. One of the things, if you don't leave with anything else, I think of this. Right now we live in a time, and the darker things get, the more we think we have to fight for light. And we fight in ways everybody else does. We fight with power. We fight with arguments. We fight with hostility. We fight by vilifying. You're in, you're out. This is good. This is bad. And the way Jesus overcomes it is through light, not through fight, not through demand, not through battling the same way other people do. Light shines and darkness can't overcome it. Now just remember that as we get into this. And even as we get into who Jesus is, because you and I are both tempted. I would be curious, when things are tough, do you ever try to control things to make them better? Show of hands. Yep, me too. I've been highly unsuccessful, by the way. But can we agree light is what trumps darkness, not other darkness, and not fighting for light? Let's start there. All right. That's what John's doing. He's giving us a picture. Jesus is fully God. He came to bring light into darkness. He came to change the trajectory of the earth and offer a new restorative plan to humanity and to the very creation that we know when he returns, he will bring to completeness. We won't go to heaven to be away. He will come and bring a new heaven and a new earth, a new life. Come on. No more aging. You will not get up. And go, oh my goodness, I need to take this, this, and that, and I can't even hardly move today. You will not get up and look at people over and go, man, I do not want to look like that when I get older. Case in point. Now, John continues, and he makes a clarity because John the Baptist has been very significant, and he's using a, a prophetic voice, just so you're, you're clear whether, I don't need to explain it all, but so he's reminding him of John. Listen, John came, and John was sent by God, but he was sent to testify about the light. He wasn't the light. In other words, the people God has to bring to light who he is are not him, they are his. <laughs> that is Jesus we bring to light. 
So even things like, oh, Jesus is going to make me really good and I'm going to change the world. And they'll like Jesus along the way because they like me. Kind of like you're the reason they like Jesus. You know, I'm not sure about Jesus, but I like Pete. So maybe I like Jesus. Now, we all know that's not true anyway. I saw the eyes. <laughs> but let's be clear. We are not what God needs to show who he is. We need to become people that reflect who he is. And that's all he's saying. John is a great witness. John is not Jesus. And he's being clear for all of us. That's, that's true for us. He points to the light. He isn't the light. So I want to just give you a few things and we're going to keep going. And then he comes back to Jesus is the light. And he says this thing that's a little bit troubling, which is he came in and the world didn't recognize him, but neither did his own people see him as he is. They missed it, is what he's saying. And this is my caution for us today. How many of you uh, have sunglasses? Any of you have sunglasses? Yep. I, like, I feel like I'm a vampire. I have to put them on the second it's bright out. Like, oh. Sunglasses block out certain parts of light. And here's my concern. I think you and I put different sunglasses on and we don't see fully who Jesus is because we see him through a lens. Some of us see him through a cultural lens. Others of us see him through a generational lens. Some of us see him through a political lens. And we are convinced that is who he is. And we attach all sorts of things to him that are not the light. And we can't see it because we got our shades going. So here's an invitation going into this. You willing to take off your lenses, your sunglasses that add things to Jesus that aren't him? And, and make no mistake, I realize you probably think you already took them off. But if you're like me and like most of us, you haven't. Are you willing to explore things of who Jesus is that might violate your lenses and your sunglasses that keep you from seeing him in his entirety because it might mean you have to say some of the things you think about aren't true and they're not him. I want to like interact with you over this for a while because I love looking at the faces. Like, I'm thinking about what I want for lunch later is a face like, man, that is a profound truth. They're like, he is so wrong. I'm going to tell him what those lenses are, right? He's just wrong. I know exactly how it goes, and I'm just going to tell you you're wrong, okay? Just leave it at that. But I want to know you're open that we might miss who he is and who the light of fully of who he is. And, and it's bringing to me, and you'll see why this matters so much in a minute, it's bringing me such heartbreak that we have generational breakdown, that we have cultural breakdown, and we have political breakdown because in those three lenses we have put sunglasses on and put things on Jesus I don't think belong there. And this is how I find it as your pastor. I will teach things that are right from the Bible and people will get mad at me. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. Go ahead and knock me out. But I haven't been listening to your podcast and reading the crud you're reading and talking to the people you are. So too bad. Just decided to leave it at that. All right, we'll keep going. You got the idea. I'm praying that God will open your eyes if there are those things. And remember, I prayed it would fall to the ground if not. So if I missed it, you can... Just ignore me. Let me continue. Because in this place of people not seeing it and missing it, then he speaks of those who do. He says, yet those who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or even human decision or of a husband's will because men had authority in that era. Women did not. But born of God. In case you don't, understand what that means, and it's a poetic thing. It means that when God makes us his kids, something spiritual and new life and birth happens. 
and God's the one that takes us in and makes us his. Here's a simple way to say it. Jesus didn't just come for people individually. He came to make a new family and a new kind of family. A new kind of family. A family where people love each other that don't make sense to love each other. That people who've had lenses and sunglasses on to block certain things out, take them off and go, I just want him. And who he is, I want to love people in that place. And I'm going to even love people that I can't agree about some of this stuff. One of my most disheartening things is the way us as children of God have even become so hateful to one another over all sorts of things. And I don't know how to say it other than most of the things we are fighting about are so incomplete in how we view them. Oh, I've got the truth. Well, you've got it in such a hateful, ugly way. I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, I've got the love and the grace of Jesus. Well, you forgot about what's true. It's a mess. Yet Jesus came to let us become his sons and daughters. You know what that means? I am your crazy uncle. And you keep thinking I'll go away. I've been here since 1999. You got a long time coming. I remember people leaving saying, I was here before you were here and I'll be here afterwards. I'm like, guess what? No go, no go. I'm still here. Take that. You are my crazy brother, my crazy sister, my crazy uncle, my crazy nephew, and that's who we are in Christ. We are one wild, crazy family that loves in a way that doesn't make sense because we see the value of people the way Jesus does, even in the places we can't agree, we somehow love and live differently. Are you getting the picture? I mean, that's what John's giving us a picture of. And we often miss it because we so individualize our faith. You know what, it's me and Jesus. Well, it's us and Jesus. There is you and Jesus and there's us and Jesus and it's all together. And those are both meant to matter. It matters that you connect, it matters that we connect, it matters that you connect to me. That's what I mean. If you don't like me as a crazy uncle, you're going to find someone somewhere else. They're going to be just as crazy, just a different set of problems. No amen to that? You should have an amen to that. I just want to know. It's such a picture. And I think of how most of us live in a sense of not fully feeling accepted or loved in the families, even that we're part of sometimes, but certainly in the culture we're a part of. Like if they really knew all that I was, would they still love me? You know what John says? Oh, yeah. And Jesus... God didn't adopt you and put a list of things that had to get fixed first. He took you in with a whole list of a whole lot of mess. He said, I love you in the mess. I love you to forgive the mess. I love to help change the mess and love you when you can't change the mess. You're mine and all these are mine. When you hear somebody say, I'm so lonely and I have no place to go, where should we be able to tell them to go? Yes, and the church. That's good. I like Jesus first, but I want to be clear. They should be able to come to us. We should become a family to people that don't have one. And yet we put all sorts of stipulations and say once and when, then we'll love you. I don't want to miss how powerful this is that we're accepted, but we're to be a people that love and accept in a way no one can explain. It's a new kind of family born in him. And it's from here then that we, we move now to the other side of Jesus, his humanity. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This, by the way, is an amazing summary of some huge things. Now, the first is Jesus came in the flesh fully in humanity. Some of the other heresies, if, if some of them are Jesus isn't high enough, 
is that Jesus isn't really human. There are all sorts of heresies. Like, well, he, he came embodied in a body, but he really just was spirit. He was insulated from that. He's really just fully God. Or there are all sorts of variations of this where he's not really fully human. And I know it doesn't make sense, fully God and fully human, but can you just bear with me and go, is it possible the God who created everything can be fully God and fully human? I'm gonna say yes. And in case you don't know, this is one of the wildest parts. After Jesus rose, it says he's in his glorified body. He didn't disembody to go back to be the father. Jesus is still embodied. And when he returns, he will be embodied. In other words, he stays in full humanity to be with us forever. You realize that is mind-blowing and makes no sense, don't you? <laughs> I like this over here. There's kind of a great little side vibe going. I'm into it. I'm digging it. I, I just, I mean, that's crazy, but it's amazing. God came in the flesh. And, and the funny part is they, they speak, John speaks of his glory. His glory was creating everything. What does he mean his glory that we've seen it? But you need to understand Jesus and his humanity brought glory in another image for us. Jesus brought glory when he came up to people that were completely disheartened and alone and broken. Jesus brought glory when a woman who had had five broken relationships that went to the well at a time no one else would go and probably was battered and beaten and abused into them, not simply bad choices, but oppressed. And he speaks life into her and says, I'm living water. And she becomes the first evangelist for her whole community. She's not just received in the family. She goes to all of the people that go, oh my goodness, our crazy sister's coming. And crazy sister tells them all about Jesus and they find it in their part of the family too. Tell me that, that's glory by the way. Whew. So when he says we see glory, we see glory in the most difficult things of God, not simply in the grandiose call it into being, but in the miraculous transform being. I was, uh, I was with the Ernie's yesterday. Ernie's have been longtime uh, members here, a longtime part of our family, and Ken is in some really difficult final stages with uh, Lou Gehrig's with ALS. I was at the hospital with them. I mean, he's, he is continuing to battle, but I watched his kids just nurture and care for him. I watched his wife advocate for him. I watched him kindly, compassionately care with what limited he can. And I'm telling you, it was a holy, sacred moment. Like, it was incredibly sad and incredibly powerful. And I just look and go, tell me, you don't see the glory of God in that. So when John talks about it, he's not just saying the God who created and called him being. He's saying Jesus shows up and showed up. When it says he dwelled among us, it's an image of Israel coming out of Egypt from their slavery into new life. They're in the desert. God makes a tent for them to and says he will dwell among them. And they all build tents around him. And he's at the center of their focus. And he's saying, oh, you think what Moses did was great with them. Jesus is actually coming for all of us to be with us. In his resurrection, he brings his presence into us to bring it to others. Wow. In other words, God wants people to see his glory from your life, from you reflecting him in your life, not from who you are on your own in your life. Pretty cool, isn't it? We've gone from the height of creation to the lowliness of being in the darkest parts of humanity and what John's saying is we saw it. We saw the glory of who he is as he walked around and did miracles. We saw the glory of who he is as he taught us and imparted help and hope to us. We saw the glory of who he is in meeting the most difficult and 
devalued and untouchable and touched him. We saw his glory on the cross in his suffering, and we saw his glory in the resurrection of new life and power. That's who we follow, and he's with us now. Come on. That's what the picture is here. The word became flesh. We actually believe Jesus is fully God and fully human, and this is at the center of who we are. And make no mistake, we have lots of heresies in our day about Jesus. We have fashioned him into our own image. And the best way I can say it is we put sunglasses on that only reflect certain light. Some of us, we put sunglasses on of the way he taught us to care for the people that are forgotten and forsaken. That's the only lens we see it through. Kind of like this self-aggrandize, as long as we help those in need, that's all it's about. Which is true, but it's not all it's about. Others would put a lens of kind of personal morality and righteousness as if to say Jesus wants us to live a certain way. And we miss the fact, by the way, that you and I can't live a certain way. And it's only through his help that he even changes us and he forgives and helps us. We take off lenses and put on lenses and different kinds of sunglasses and we don't see him as he really is. It makes me, like it breaks my heart when I see it. And I, I know I'm prone to it too, but the more I see how, how we have such, I don't want to say that we all have so many sunglasses on that half the time when I teach things, I'm like, I wonder who I'll make upset today. Because they're going to have some lens they put on, some sunglasses that said, you better put this part up brighter. You better not say anything about that. I'm like, listen, I'm an equal opportunity offender. And the funny thing is, like, I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I want you to like me. But I'll tell you this. When it comes to who Jesus is, I don't even care if I piss you off. You're welcome. I told you, crazy uncle. No, that's good. Eh? Some of you are just mad that I said pissed off. So, you know, that's, that was me scaling it back. So you don't want to see me when I'm not scaled back. That's even worse. My hope, even as we go through the series, is we'll start letting heresies fall. We'll start taking off sunglasses. I want him. I want his family. I want to be in his family. I want him. That's who I want to live for and live like. John continues, and he again speaks of John the Baptist. He speaks of how John, even John saw that Jesus had always been. So he's just talked about him being God in the flesh, which would then leave you to, to heresies. He says, oh, John the Baptist reminded us too. I mean, John was born before Jesus, but he said Jesus was before him, which, you know, cognitively that doesn't make sense, right? That's not a Hebraic thing. Well, when I say that, no, that's what he's saying is Jesus is actually God. He was always, he's always been, he was before me. That's what John said. So it's one of those things too, when people say, well, that's not what the scripture says. They're, they're just, that's an academic ascent that is really suspect and not true to how scripture and how history even talked about Jesus. The other piece he does, and then I want to show you this last section to give us some handles to it, is he'll talk about Moses. And he says, listen, Moses did great things. He gave Israel the law. And he says God's grace came in a beginning form, basically, through Moses. Now, again, the story of Israel, they become a nation. They end up in Egypt as a, during all this horrible struggle with, uh, with a, basically just there's nothing to eat, nowhere to go. And that's where they end up. They have centuries of being in slavery, and God, by his grace, frees them. Last, that to that story. Waters part, crazy things happen. They're on their own. They're in the desert. By the way, that's when God has them build the tent, and he dwells among them. 
and that's what they celebrate. And Moses is the one who kind of facilitates all that. So they look back and they go, that's our story, which by the way, it's our story too as followers of Jesus, meaning we all remember the Exodus is the history of God's people. And what John's saying is, guess what? Jesus is bringing a new exodus. He's bringing a new way of becoming out of exile. And it's not just a physical slavery. It's the very nature of darkness that Jesus is bringing us out of. And it's greater. So I want you to get the picture. Moses, great. Moses, good. Jesus, greater. And he's going to sum it up very simply this way. He says, "Out out of his fullness, meaning Jesus, we have all received grace in place of the grace already given, which is what happened through the law. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Jesus came to reveal the Father, to reveal God in his fullness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we see Jesus, we see God And he came not just to be a part of grace, but to bring the fullness of grace and truth. That's what John is giving us a picture of. And in case you don't get it, there's a simple way to understand it. Because we have people argue about it. Well, you know, we're not giving enough truth or grace. It's just, it's being good. Like, everything's all good. We love you anyway. And truth is like, well, you're doing this wrong. And we're going to tell you in a hateful way. And grace and truth is somehow that we walk into the needs and the brokenness and honestly God helps and moves us when we can't. Truth is facing what's really there to help us in. That's what it is. But both are needed. And I'm telling you, we have sunglasses that keep us from one or the other. Most of us tip one way or the other. Oh, you're not teaching enough truth. Not, not speaking the toughness of the word. And the others are like, you are so hateful and unloving. You're not speaking of grace. The grace and truth, it's the beauty of it. It's incredibly hopeful and loving but it does not ignore the mess and the sin of us. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy cool. And I'll say it to, it very, to you this way as we start the series. Jesus, the creator full of glory, is made flesh to dwell among us. Fully God, fully man, Jesus came to be with us. Not to be with a few, not to be with those who desire it more spiritually. Jesus gives his spirit for every single follower to be close to him. You get that? I say it all the time, but I want to be clear. God is not some respect. You're like, well, that one, he's more, she's more spiritual. I mean, that one, I'm not going to get near that. God goes, I love being close to you. I love who you are, and I want you to be mine. And then I love what comes out of it. He's making a new family through grace and truth. Whenever I read this and when I think about it, the, the picture of the church is to be a new kind of family that the world doesn't understand. You, you realize that? That's the intention. No one's greater, no one's lesser. All the divides that are out there that make someone value someone more or less are gone in here. Like we're a family. And, and I always think about it. I, I raised, we raised four kids. I shouldn't say I did. Jane raised four kids and I watched. But I raised, I did some too. No, it's funny. When we're raising kids, I, I really thought they plotted together. I thought they were a brilliant crew. Because they kind of partnered up for different conflict at different times. And I think they almost systematically knew how to take turns. Everything from at night. It seemed like they took shifts. I'll take 12 to 2, you take 3 to 5. Then on different days, we're like, hey, we've had a pretty good time. Uh, you two, why don't you two fight today? Pick it about this. And I remember watching, thinking, first of all, why are they doing this to me? Second of all, thinking, I can't wait till they have children to watch them, which I am enjoying right now. I'm not going to lie. That's part of my brokenness. And then also, though, thinking, I can see what could be between them 
if this wasn't so much fighting going on and how much of it was in their own brokenness. And I think that's how God sees us. I think he looks and goes, you two who fight so much, it's so close with what you care about and matter. If you could really see me, you'd love differently and live differently. It's so different than you expect. And I know as a parent, watching my kids as they grow up and how they are friends now is one of the most powerful, amazing things to see. How much more do you think God wants that for us? To be people that actually love each other and live in relationship with each other because he's making a new kind of family. John didn't tell this text to people individually. He told it to the new body of Christ. You all are the ones that God is making sons and daughters. You look around this room, you look online, you look at the different campuses, and you look outside our one little expression, and you go, I got tons of crazy extended family. And I love it. That's what Jesus is doing. He's making a new family through grace and truth. And I'm telling you, it means for all of us taking off sunglasses that we've put on that say, I'll only let these parts of light come in. Because we've attached things to Jesus that aren't true in every direction. Okay, as we begin, I want to pray for us then and enter into this season. And, and I'll just tell you, it may be for you, maybe it's simply just reading gospel accounts and asking Jesus to reveal who he is. Like, I don't have a, here's the one application today. Other than would you commit to knowing Jesus? To following him, to discovering who he is, to taking off your sunglasses and going, oh, I thought this was true, but is it really true? Boy, I didn't know what was happening behind me. That was just very scary. They're like, he's praying, we should get ready. They should, but still scared me. And unfortunately, I'm quite distractible today. I, I want for us to stop listening to the culture, to the leaders, <laughs> to our generations, to the idea that politics or even our nationalistic things will change us. That's not who Jesus is. It isn't. If you and I can take those off, we can become the bodies made us to be. Let me pray. Lord, I ask you, as I did at the beginning, anything that's not from you, let it fall to the ground and be forgotten. God, I'm praying that what is true, you would rest on us. Lord, would you show the places we put sunglasses on and said, I want to see this part, I want to see that part. I've attached this to you and it's not true. Would you take off the sunglasses that put our hope into power and things other than you, that put our hope in our perspective or even our shared perspective on things that are not you? And Lord, would you help us to become enamored with you? <laughs> to see you as both glorious creator and glorious son in the flesh. God, would you help us to become a family that lives and loves like you in grace and truth. Lead us to that end, even as we enter saying, we want more of you, Jesus. Lead us in your name, amen. Let me invite you to stand. We give a little space here to worship and have communion. It's kind of a let's sit in this. Let's see what God wants to say to you, whether it's connected to what we worship or in some other way. Just ask God to keep speaking as you fix your eyes on who he is and come to him.
prepare to celebrate communion together. When you came in, hopefully you received a cup. We want to be clear, communion, we have an open table here. There's not a requirement of membership or kind of even uh, being part of us that we believe anyone who's pursuing Jesus, we want to welcome to that. We don't want you to feel obligated if you're saying, I'm not sure what I think or believe. We want to invite you, maybe even as a means that Jesus would reveal himself to you as you participate. You'll see there's bread in the top, a small wafer, and the second layer will be for the very cup. This comes out of what Jesus did on the night he was betrayed. He took bread, he broke it during the Passover, during the remembering of the first exodus. And he said, this is my body, and it's given for you. The image that Jesus is the word made flesh. Come to bring light into our darkness, to forgive our failures, and to bring new life in a new way. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. His very bloodshed brings our very freedom. As we heard last week, nailing our sins to the cross as we reflected on last week, overcoming the very power of sin and death to bring a new family together, to take of the cup together, to ever give it to others to discover. Let's take of the cup together. So, Lord, I ask through this wonderful sacrament that you would freshly, not just have us remember, but freshly experience your grace today. Take us on the exodus you have for us now in new life in you. Amen. Let me invite you to stand as we close out our time singing of who he is. And may you be both an audience and a proclaimer of these words as we worship together.
grace and truth. You know, the longer I follow him, the more grateful and the more ongoing confession is, at least in my life. Just coming to the altar and going, God, I, I don't know how to change this. I don't know how to do that. I see this. I see the brokenness. I need you. And God doesn't look and go, oh, I can't believe you're here again. Looks and goes, thanks, kid. Come on. You guys are my sons and daughters. I love pouring out grace on you. I love being part of redeeming and changing your life. Let's just be honest about the need. That's a great place to be, isn't it? You are loved and cherished by him. You are part of his family that he wants to change the world through how we live and love in grace and truth differently than everyone around us and even unfortunately some among us. Taken off the sunglasses that we've hindered certain light. Maybe you place your hands out. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. <laughs> May the depth of understanding of Jesus increase in your life. The depth of his love increase in the life. The depth of his grace increase. And may the truth around that resonate more and more that you will become children of the light in a way that gives love to others like him. For his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.